Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guest or host of any hat color, welcome back to Westworld Weekly, a host and guest guide to the park and general AI revolt. I'm your host, Beef, and as you can tell, this week we have no guests in the park, but this is basically going to be a one-man show, so I will start out right away by asking you, the one or two listeners that I may actually have, to send in emails, thoughts, theories, questions, concerns. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm usually the latter. But uh, that doesn't mean I will not stop talking or I will not stop throwing crap at the walls and hoping it sticks. So again, that's going to be an open call for anyone that wants to send anything in. I don't mind. Love mail, hate mail. It's all sides of the same coin. Since Westworld is on HBO and it deals with adult themes, we will also be dealing with adult themes on this show. And sometimes I swear a lot because I'm ignorant. But still, bear with me. So for the first few episodes of this show, it's going to kind of be an amalgamation of the first four episodes because it's hard to talk about the first couple and not think of everything else that you've already learned. Uh, The first episode, though, the original, they do such a good job at throwing everything at the wall at you, uh, enough information to keep it interesting and keep the story going, but they really want to pack you with everything, even just from the 3D printing of the robots, the way that they diagnose the robots, asking them about... uh, you know, you're in a dream. Do you want to wake up from this dream? Asking them about questioning the nature of the, their reality. It's, it's a nice way to give you all these details to the park to show what is actually happening. Who's robots, even though I'm sure there's some in there that we won't know. And it'll be the, you know, oh, hey, Bernard's a robot. I don't think that. But someone big is going to be a robot that we thought was a human. The layers that they talk about, you know, how the man in black seems it's so cruel that they paired some of the people off, meaning Teddy and Dolores robots off meaning teddy and dolores and then he makes the comment it doesn't mean anything to be the winner if someone else doesn't lose which makes a pretty horrific and true statement about the human condition the show really also tries to show you that it's not just about a large boys club or whatever i mean there are women that go to this park they do get their kicks some of them go there looking for good guys a lot of them go there looking for bad guys some of them become bounty hunters like the lady in a couple episodes that goes and hunts down people with teddy his first encounter with wyatt it's it's nice to see that everybody can be strange and depraved in a world where we all know how humans are Uh, it's like playing a big open sandbox video game You may be doing the good mission, but you may decide to kill everybody and keep all the gold for yourself. It's just part of the game. But now, how how far off do you get from that when these are actual 3D-printed, lifelike creations right in front of you that are starting to spawn consciousness? Well, it does get questionable, and it is moral, but you never know what the hell is going to happen until you're in there playing that game. All right, back to episode one. I do apologize. My brain is all over the board here. Uh, Walking down the hallway in the very beginning, and you can see the three or four different horses in different stages of creation and then walking around. That shows you how simple they create it. And just with those three or four shots, it shows you that they're building these robots and then they become so lifelike. All the robots sitting around in various stages of undress like statues When they first had casting calls for this show, we read them and kind of thought, oh, well, this is going to be really messed up and screwed up. They're going to have naked people sitting around like furniture. But it makes sense now. If you see that, they're just powered down waiting for their diagnostic. In the later episode, you see Ford chastise Dr. Ford, Anthony Hopkins' character, chastise one of his programmers because he covers it up with a smock. So basically Ford yells at him for worrying about the robot's modesty. Uh, They go to show you that a lot of people are 
hot on these robots. Even the programmer chick leans over and kisses Clementine in the very first episode. Uh, the reveries. The reveries are what starts everything screwed up. Memories that are supposed to be purged at the end of every narrative loop. Let's talk about the narrative loops. They say that a lot of people are just saying, how do they not know when they just relive the same day over and over again? I think it's more like a couple week span. Dolores just basically lives the same day just because she's a herder or rancher's daughter who goes out, paints, runs her errands, and then comes back. But there is like a couple week narrative loop. That's why they had to speed up uh, the robber. I'm drawing a blank on his name later. But uh, the man in black. And great music choices for this show, by the way. Let's be honest with the shootouts and everything else. So they do an update in the park, and then these reveries are there, which create extra gestures and things to make the robots more lifelike. Well, it taps into their memories and the stuff that should be wiped at the end of each narrative loop, but somehow it's in there. They keep talking about, well, now hosts are acting differently, and they go down in the basement because there's a host that's acting different but he's in cold storage hasn't been updated and that's the first time you meet ford talking with the old bartender and it's kind of beautiful to see how old and simple the first hosts were you can hear him move you can hear his servos every time he goes to pour a shot or take a shot uh, he repeats himself and even ford tells him to put himself away which is pretty cool to go see and hear the guy zips himself up in a body bag but i I don't know, there's just so many layers to this that they shove everything at you. Uh, the hosts get sick, they get lost. In the first episode, they give you 10% of the park's hosts, which was 200 were updated. So there's 2,000 hosts there, and in that same episode, they say about 1,400 guests. So that's like 60% of the park, 70% of the park, I believe, is full of robots. They also make the comment, too, that everything there, other than the flies is a robot, is a 3D printed creation. So where is this place? I've heard theories that it may be on Mars. I've heard theories that they may have purchased a few states in the Southwest, you know, because canyons, looks like Grand Canyon or something. Uh, I personally don't know, but if this corporation is big enough to have, you know, helped cure most of the diseases on the planet, uh, we still have no idea how far in the future this is either. There's also something that I noticed with the man in black, in the first episode, he walks into the whorehouse gambling saloon and Clementine starts her line about not much of a rind on you. And Ed Harris waves his hand or gestures at her and she stops mid-sentence. I don't know if she freezes, but he walks right past and goes to the gambling table. The only other person that I've seen do that is Dr. Ford. He does it to the snake, I believe, in the first episode or second episode. And uh, he also does it to the little boy which I think is a host made of himself that he meets out in the desert before they find the church. There is another time that he does it. It's in a later episode, I believe, when him and Bernard are in Dr. Ford's own office. He waves at the old school host that's playing the piano, and he simply shuts down or stops. It's still, uh, does that mean the man in black or Ed Harris is a maybe an investor, an early investor? Maybe he's some part of... The early programming crew or the early stage of programmers, the way that they're laying, layering it, it makes all this, the way it's coming out, feel like Lost, which I love and I hate because even though Lost paid off well at the end, it still didn't pay off anywhere near what it should have. Hell is empty and all the devils are here. Let's talk about Papa Abernathy. Something else had to happen to him before just finding the picture because just finding the picture wouldn't do that. I 
I don't know. He's so freaked out by it, and it's so cool when he's just sitting there talking to basically at the end of the episode in the diagnostic, and he starts spitting out all this old Shakespeare gibberish, yet it seems so evil. He's come to meet his maker. Uh, he can't wait till he can get his mechanical hands on him. Hopefully it has a lot more double meaning, but I don't know. It could just be a creepy cool few lines for the end of the first episode. Uh, the Man in Black search for a deeper level to this game because he was coming to this park for over 30 years. He says he was basically born in this park. Uh, he scalps Kissy and finds a map to the maze. Whatever the hell the maze is, we don't know yet, but Bernard has told Dolores it can help her become free. The little hint about it's one thing to the guests, another thing to the shareholders, and something completely different to management. That could just be a throwaway line, but it's fun to play with. They have not had a critical failure. I think that's the word they use. I have it written down somewhere. They did not have a critical failure in over 30 years. Okay, so this update is done, and these hosts start acting all crazy and doing shit that they shouldn't do, so they decide they have to pull the hosts. So they speed up the robbery or the narrative, so the... Um, Damn it, I need to learn his his name. But uh, the robber comes back in town with his gang and kills a whole shit ton of people, but then takes one to the neck. So as they're getting all these hosts out, uh, they come to Dolores, who's still crying and hovering over Teddy's dead body, but she can't leave him, and they use the shutdown code. Soon this will all feel like a distant dream. Until then, may you rest in a deepened, dreamless slumber. And she just powers down which I think is kind of cool and poetic because hopefully they won't be waking up like they tend to do in the few coming episodes. Dolores, uh, her acting, Evan Rachel Woods, to be able to go from panicky freaking out in diagnostic mode to you know, limit emotional affect and then she just completely stops crying or lose the accent and she completely loses the accent. It's, it's pretty cool and good acting. The way that they can switch from robot to human basically it's for lack of a better term they are human they talk about the drives that they each have peter abernathy has three drives his herd his wife and his daughter dolores which is kind of cool that they all it's it's like the three rules of robotics which i'm sure they all have but it's deeper than that because it it pertains to their backstory and what tethers them to their narrative these violent delights have violent ends great line um is it a program a piece of code that arnold wrote I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what comes of that. Uh, they wouldn't hurt a living thing. They literally couldn't hurt a fly. And then they break it down to Dolores is the oldest host in the park. She's just been rebuilt and updated so many times. She looks just like a brand new one with everyone else. She gets back out, does her last narrative for that day. It's a completely different father because they had to put Peter Abernathy in cold storage. What I'd really like to know is, what does Bernard say to Peter Abernathy as he's putting him into cold storage? Because he does whisper something into his ear. So I want to know what that is. Um, Dolores kills a fly. Oh, God. And the maze on the inside of the skull. It's, that's how they end it. You know, it's, it, the way it's layered, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to keep watching it. I'm ready to apparently start a solo podcast. Other quick notes of highlight, the security chick, the milfy one, the hot one. I love hers and Bernard's relationship and how Bernard in the first episode asks her about, I love it when you're upset, but you're trying to hide it. You're, the fine motor muscles of your brow make an arc or something, and he wants to copy that for one of the hosts. It's just cool little beats and stuff like that, that he's always the programmer and designer first. All right, we'll get right back in it with season one, episode two, Chestnut. 
I will try to keep my thoughts a little bit more contained and cohesive, but if you know me from any other shows, you know that that is really just a joke. The episode opens with, Wake up, Dolores. Do you remember? And it's totally Bernard's voice. There's a lot of people online that don't think it's Bernard's voice, but I'm damn near positive it is. She gets up and walks outside. We don't know what she's doing till later in the episode, but she does find a gun. Also, with that whole thing, we find out later in the episode that Dolores has been secretly meeting Bernard at night, or Bernard has been calling her in and dabbling and crafting in her mind, possibly helping her achieve consciousness because of the loss of his son. In this episode, we also meet Logan and his soon-to-be brother-in-law, William. They are basically rich dudes going into the park for the first time, so they're kind of our everyman, our see-it-from-both-sides. One is definitely a black hat, and one is definitely a white hat. Bad guy, good guy. They... They seem to work well together as being complete opposites, but I can kind of see Logan's point in some of it, because as I said earlier, it's like a big sandbox video game. Sometimes you do random shit, you know, and Fallout 3, I blew up Nuketown, or whatever the hell the name of that one was, because why not? It's sometimes fun to be a little bad. You basically follow them through the park. They arrive on a shuttle, they show up, and they're greeted by hosts, Uh, and as they walk through... You can kind of tell, obviously, that Logan's been there because he feels comfortable with it, but William is confused, but he'll go along with it, right? So they get up there, and he walks into a room where everything is his size, and he asks about orientation. uh, His host says, all you need to do is make choices. Everything here is starting here. Everything here is exactly your size. So he has either all the cowboy gear, guns, knives, whatever he wants. It's pretty cool. It's it's just a fun way from being a gamer to, quote-unquote, gear up and go out into this world. William asks his quote-unquote orientation host, are you real? And she says, well, if you can't tell, does it matter? And I would say, nope. Again, there, William is granted with another option. Black hat or white hat, and what style? They go on to explain that the center of the park, Sweetwater, is simple and safe, and the further you venture out, the more intense and uh, crazy the experience gets. I think that's kind of cool you can come in and just do your little old school westworld stuff in the middle or you can get nuts and stay there for quite some time bernard's young attractive programmer is starting to question whether or not whatever peter abernathy had may have been contagious because other hosts are starting to act differently and boy is she ever correct because you can see through Dolores's eyes that she is really starting to gain whatever the closest thing to consciousness is she starts to hear the words remember and i know that's bernard's voice But as she's walking in the middle of the street, she sees the slaughter from last week. She walks past Maeve, says these violent delights have violent ends, smirks, and wanders off. And then Maeve starts having flashbacks as well, pretty much right away, of a time, possibly an old narrative, where she was being scalped. Uh, It's not a pretty picture. All right, let's get on with a lot of the telling quotes and uh, info dumps, if you will, that we got from the man in black and his narrative. The man in black shows up on a potential hanging and ends up slaughtering everybody in the posse and saves lawrence well apparently he believes lawrence has some info that will get him to the maze basically that he cut out of kissy's skull last week he's dragging lawrence by a noose to wherever town he's taking him he's telling him you know i know the whiskey you like to drink i know the tune you whistle when you're taking a piss but i never knew you had a family uh, he sits down with him he's t- goes on to tell him you know i never noticed all the secrets in here every detail adds up to something then they cut to a overhead scene, uh, like control room scene, and it, they're watching the man in black, and someone says, this guest already took out an entire posse. Do you want me to slow him down? 
no, that gentleman gets whatever he wants. See, that makes me believe it's he was an old programmer. He was a rich investor in the beginning, but we keep getting more and more hints. We just don't know what the hell they are yet. Uh, he goes on to say, the man in black does, I've been coming here for 30 years. I was born here. It's interesting line. I don't know what it adds up to, but I've some people have been toying around with the idea that maybe he is an early AI that spawned consciousness and got out and now is coming back, but that wouldn't make sense, really. It's just so many people are throwing ideas out there. Right before uh, he dances with Lawrence's wife when he's trying to find out where this maze is, he basically has Lawrence, his wife, and his little girl there. And he talks about, I like the basic emotion, the the suffering. It means when you're suffering, you're the most real. And then he goes on to kill Lawrence's wife. He comes over and says he's basically asked for the last bullet, and he's either going to kill Lawrence or his daughter. And the, his daughter, the little girl, says, the maze isn't meant for you. Follow the blood arroyo to the place where the snake lays its eggs. So Lawrence then states, why don't you go home? And the man in back says, I'm never going back. So it's it, it's interesting. He never, in his mind, is never going to leave this world again. He's going to continue his days out and figure out what the hell this secret is so much. We find out later, possibly, he's trying to get consciousness to all the robots. He's trying to do more of what Arnold had set out to do. But it's, you know, right now you feel that he's just still this horrible person. All right, let's hit the next pile of my notes, which are chronologically ordered and randomly scattered. Go figure. Uh, this, would be, this would be about Maeve and her, I don't know, her interaction with Dolores and then instantly starting to become self-aware and remember things she probably shouldn't. She, like I said before, she talked to Dolores in the middle of the street. And then she started remembering being scalped. She started having problems, having those same flashbacks and other flashbacks. So she couldn't complete, quote unquote, her transactions, um, her hooker transactions. They take her in the back room later on and they bump up her aggression. So she's like clumsily hitting on lady guests and, and just in general not being able to do her job. In the control room again, they say, you know, we'll keep her on for one last night. But retask Clementine. She's done the job before. And in the background, you can instantly see Clementine perk up, and she moves off with a new purpose. thought that was kind of a cool little nod to programming and seeing them all move forward. Then you also have the Mav talking about the only thing wrong with the seven deadly sins is there aren't more of them. She's still aggressively coming on to everybody. She also keeps holding her stomach, her womb area, as if she's remembering these flashes I don't know. There's just something with that because every episode, it keeps going on further and further. She's holding her womb. We come to find out that she has a really horrible infection in this episode. That's why she probably keeps holding her womb because there's pain there and infection. She talks to Clementine about when she's having a really horrible dream. She counts backwards from three, two, one and wakes herself up warm in bed and then she has nothing to worry about. Later on in the episode, though, she is having a horrible dream and she's remembering being scalped and these indians or native americans coming onto her farmstead homestead and then the man in black breaks into the door and she starts counting back three two one well instantly she wakes up on a table and she's being operated on stitched up and cleaned by these techs who have no idea what's going on she grabs a knife and gets off the table and she's thrown into this crazy fucked up futuristic world she has no idea of no basis for so everything's confusing the look on dandy newton's face is priceless too because she she makes it so horrified and confused she stumbles into the body shop where they're throwing all these bodies down cleaning them and repairing them she sees teddy sitting there dead right in front of her 
the techs sneak up, jab her with something to knock her out, and then drag her back to finish fixing her. But just the, the horror of waking up, you know, you're in a bad dream, you want to wake up. Well, then you wake up into an even worse dream where your stomach's cut open, you're naked, and you're being operated on, and you're in a completely different world than you have any basis for. Uh, pretty nice way to freak her out and show them the variances in the worlds. The little behind-the-scenes snippets, too, of the actual company, if you will, where they talk about, oh, you know, bump up Maeve's grass in 20%. And then later on, they talk about uh, the programmer, Elise, is examining Maeve, and she goes, and a fuck ton of aggression, thanks to those morons in narrative. I like those little inner office company jabs. It makes it feel more real, more of like a, a workplace. They go on to talk about, in those same scenes, do you really give them the concept of dreams? Well, they give them the concept of nightmares in case they ever wake up or they aren't wiped. I think which is a handy feature to have because at some point in time, something's going to malfunction and you're not going to be able to wipe them. Let's talk about Ford's nice little secret elevator and his trips up to the park. He goes up to the park just to kind of walk around maybe and get a sense of things. But I believe right now, currently, he's still working on his new narrative. As he's walking this time, though, uh, he encounters a little boy who's on holiday. I'd put a lot of my money on that. That's a recreation of Ford as a child just roaming around the park. But he later, as well, waves that kid off and a snake off, just like the Man in Black did. So that's, I don't know, there's something there between him and the Man in Black. They stumble upon and find a church. I think that's, is that something Ford created years ago and is just building into his narrative now? More the sound of God will help give consciousness or evolve the AI. I don't know. It's totally something like that. I think Ford may be even trying to work in Arnold's shadow as well. Maybe him and the man in black are not knowingly working together. Opposite sides trying to achieve the same goal. I believe the quote was, everything in the world is magic, except to the magician. Earlier in the episode, Ford also tells Bernard, you can't play God without also being acquainted with the devil. We practice witchcraft. We basically speak a few words and create life. Some more behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Bernard and Teresa, the hot security MILF, are hooking up. Good for them. You know, high-stress jobs and all. They had some semi-weird pillow talk. She goes, ironically, your creations never shut up. They're always talking to each other, even when there are no guests around. Then Bernard uh, says, yeah, they're always trying to error-correct, make themselves more human. When they talk to each other, it's a way of practicing. That's got a very creepy level of... I don't know, information behind it because that, why are they error correcting? Why are they practicing to be more human? And then you just get more of the examination scenes or diagnostic scenes. And it, it really amazes me how well and how still all of these actors and actresses can stand and stare straight ahead or sit and stare straight ahead, not even look like they're breathing, even, uh, not even in the diagnostic scenes, but when you're out for Ford's new narrative or the nerdy guy's new narrative that, Ford basically shits on, but you have what 20 people standing there in full costume with other people walking around them and they're just staring straight ahead, unblinking, unflinching. So, uh, that alone takes talent. I can't stand still. Other quick thoughts and ideas from the uh, William and Logan storyline, if you will. The way that Logan is not afraid to kill any and everyone or shoot them to find out if they're a host or a guest, uh, the way he brutally stabs the prospect or host right in the hand at dinner, at their table, and then says, screw it, I've developed another appetite. You can see he really has no care for these beings, creatures, hosts, whatever you want to call them. Where the hell is this place again? Okay, so they get off 
they go through their quote unquote uh, get dressed scenario and shag whatever you want before entering the park. And then they both walk down this beautifully futuristic, you know, clean white hallway with an old 171800s wooden door at the end. They walk through the door and they are in a train compartment of some sort. And then as soon as Logan follows William through the door, a shadow drops over the window on the door and the car starts shaking. The train car starts shaking and you realize that they're being sh- shot into the park on a train. So where, I don't understand. Was the train moving the whole time and they uh, teleported into there? Did they walk through a door and then the train took off? It still just feels weird to me. But other little nods to what is confusing about this park and what's going on. All right, thank you, everybody, for listening to my first Stream of Consciousness podcast. I had a lot of fun. Please definitely hit me up at Westworld Weekly. That's at Twitter. And then Westworld Weekly at gmail.com. And soon you'll be able to find me at uh, westworldweekly.com. But either way, send me thoughts, theories, anything you want. Yell at me, scream at me, and we will muddle through the park together and try to stay ahead of the AI revolt. Thanks, everybody, for listening.